0: Let's pray, Father, we this morning we just come to you, Lord, this day for, Father, we believe, Lord. We will stand firm, Father, believing you are in always you are in control, Lord. Delay is not denial, Lord. For your word says, you make all things beautiful in your time, in your time, Lord. You make all things beautiful in your time. Come, Lord Jesus, speak to us. Teach us to stand strong and to persevere, Lord. That this fasting and prayer should not be just an occasion. But 2019, it will be a lifestyle, Lord. Amen. Amen. Until the day you come, many, I pray, will receive it as a lifestyle, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us this fourth day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so day four, day one, Ramba, David's advice to Solomon. Get rid of these people, deal with them. The spiritual principle deal with your father's enemies. Your father's enemies can become your enemies. You look at the patterns where your forefathers fell and you will see it could come into your life, so deal with. And then, there may be certain things in your life, which are not there in your father's life. Like, Abiyatar was faithful to David, but he was unfaithful to Solomon. So, you have to look in those things, which your father maybe never struggled with, and you are struggling with. Deal with that. Otherwise, it will come back to haunt you. It may come back It may not even touch you, it may touch your subsequent generations, your children. Like when we know when Israel came into the wilderness, they were immediately attacked by the Amalekites. Amalekites opposed them. And God had said after they won, (coughs) that generation to generation, he will fight Amalek. And when Saul is anointed as king, one of the first commissions given to Saul by God is, destroy all the Amalekites, and you will see that's where he failed. And a thousand years later, now Israel is in Babylon, in captivity, and you suddenly realize there is Mordecai, there is Esther, the three people in that story. Mordecai, Esther, two Jews, and Haman rises to destroy them. And you realize Haman is an Amalekite. A thousand years later, it has risen. Meaning, if if I don't deal with it, it has no effect on me, it doesn't mean it will not affect my children. And my subsequent children. So we look at it and say, we deal it does it, it doesn't bother me, doesn't matter. God says, deal with those things, otherwise it will. So you will see Esther rising up. God has to use a simple little orphan girl who will rise up and you will see she goes on a three day fast. She asks all the Jews to fast along with her and she and her handmaiden stay fast because desperate times will require desperate measures. No, you cannot be complacent about it because this is a spiritual war and you will see all hell breaks through. You know, things happening suddenly you have because the, all that hell breaks through is simply because Mordecai refuses to bow down to Haman. If he had bowed down, there would have been no trouble. As long as your spirit does not bow down to your flesh, there is no trouble. Okay, no trouble. And a lot of people, you need to realize, lot of Christians have automatically compromised. Like, (laughs) if I compromise on what I spoke to you earlier, no trouble. (laughs) No trouble. Uh, Actually, no trouble. Everything is easy, right? You don't have to worry about anything. Life is so cool, and you can always turn it around and say, God bless me. No trouble at all, no no trouble at all. But it's, but the minute you refuse, no, the spirit refuses to bow down to flesh, you will see Haman is plotting, plotting, plotting to destroy. So remember that. And remember, when she went to meet the king after three days, she did not go in that garment. She was fasting and praying. She put on royal garments. That's why we come here. Yes, we are fasting and praying. But when we are going to God, go, we put on a different set of garments called praise and worship. That's our garments. We go to him not crying and weeping. No, we go to him in praise, knowing that he has all power. And when she went in a royal garment, Scripture says... The king stretched his hand towards her in favor. And we always know God is Emmanuel, God with us. And what is one of the primary things written in the Bible, if God is with you, you have favor. God was with Joseph, Joseph had favor in 41st palace. He was in prison, God was with him, and he had favor. Daniel, God had favor, so the eunuch said, okay, Eat vegetables and water for 10 days. That's a kind of fast. Okay. It's a Daniel fast. We are not looking at Daniel fast, but we looked at uh, the disciples fast. We look at Ezra's fast. We looked at uh, Samuel's fast. Different kinds of fast depending upon the situations. Okay. So remember that's the first thing we did. Day two, we will also see fasting is an affliction of the body and the soul, which means you can afflict it but inside, there is, has to be a humbling. If we are not humbling ourselves before God, God is offended. He looks at our heart. He looks at our attitude. It can be about fasting and a prayer can be very offensive to God. And that's what we saw from Isaiah 58 and verse 3. And for God saying, It's just kind of fast. Look at your fasting, praying, and look at what you're doing after that. Look at the attitude in your heart. Look at the way you're dealing with people. Do we look at the way you're working? He says, 'Is this, Is this fasting and praying? Okay? Because remember the, 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 the Pharisee when he was praying, and the tax collector who didn't look up, when he's praying, he's actually real. There is no affliction of the soul, no humility. I fast three times, I pray this regularly. God is offended by his fasting and his prayer. Okay? Because we fast and we pray because we know we have very little strength. We looked at Re- Revelation 3, 8, that church, you know, very little strength. So they had probably had a habit, a lifestyle of fasting and praying and they were depending, meditating upon the word of God. God says, you kept my word. And to this very weak church, God says, for you I have left a door open. No man can shut that door. And from Isaiah fifty-six eight, we saw the purpose of fasting. there is the effect of it is that the bands of wickedness should be loosened in us and in the lives of others. Fifty-eight and sorry, fifty-eight and verse six. It should. Undo heavy burdens. We saw that also. Right? The the disciples bringing the little boy and Jesus setting them, him free, undoing heavy burdens. We saw Ezra fasting because he has to transport women, children, people, tons of gold from point A to point B. He didn't want to ask God for security. That is his burden. And if at the Hava Canal, he proclaims a three-day fast. They fast, they pray, and God is pleased with them. And they travel the entire distance with nobody touching them. And the burden is lifted because it is the leader's burden mm-hmm. but he's saying it's i cannot handle it alone all of you we are all in the same journey that's why we call it church fast in my our personal regular fast we don't call you That's a different thing. There is a fast which leaders do. But then there is a fast we call and say, join along with us. Because why? We are all in the same journey. We are all traveling from point A to point B, from here till he comes. And we are in the same journey. And we have to take everybody, the children, the little ones, and all that God has given us to safely reach that other shore. So he proclaimed a three-day journey. God heard them. And the journey, the burden was lifted. Now they are traveling, but there is no burden because why Jesus is with them. He has answered the prayer. And then we saw liberty to the oppressed. Samuel's, right? The Philistines are oppressing. That is where Samuel rises up as a leader. The ark is for The glory has gone. The presence of God is near. They are oppressed by their enemies. So he says, come. And he tells them the things to do. He says, turn back to God first with mourning. Put away all the other things that have taken the place of God in your life. All your idols, take it off. And he says, let us have a fast. They fast, they pray, and they pour water saying that we are surrendering our life before God. And scripture says, when the Philistines heard them, they came. Now, When, you, when your fasting is real, the enemy will rise up against you. Otherwise, he won't rise. He'll say, yeah, yeah, I also fast like that. Don't worry. <laughs> but if your fasting is real, the enemy comes. Enemy comes. And scripture says, the people were scared. But Samuel offered a sacrifice. And scripture says, God thundered the enemy is scattered in fear and the Israelites chased them and they won. So it was their first victory after Seoul, so, like, earliest defeat, 30,000 had died, the Ark had gone. It was such a miserable defeat, no? Like after today's test, India will like, will feel good about, we have defeated Australia in <laughs> Australia, they will come up like roosters, they will come up, because the greatest victory you can have in test cricket is to defeat Australia in Australia. If only those who know test cricket will know that, okay? <laughs> if we can defeat Australia in Australia, and some South African Africa you are cats whiskers okay because you've been every time you have gone you've been beaten up your ark was taken your people <laughs> were killed and now suddenly they're going to get their tails up okay that's the rain and will. scripture says after that the Philistines left them alone mm. they left them alone okay you need to realize we need God to intervene and give us a see God has to shout on our behalf thunder from heaven on our behalf and we will then In day three yesterday, we said that um, fasting, when Paul says, after having preached, I myself should not be disqualified. Therefore, I have beaten my body or brought my body under subjection. One of the ways in which God in his kingdom has given us the ways, the means, how to bring your body under subjection is fasting. Fasting is one of the primary, fasting and praying is one of the primary ways, and all those who are struggling with things in your body, with your flesh, you really want to overcome, you have to fast. That's why all God's people had the habit, a discipline of fasting, because, and also we saw yesterday, it's not only that, okay? You have to think for a minute. When I say, uh, Elijah was sent by God to Cherith. He said, go to Cherith, I have commanded the ravens to? Feed you. Let me ask you this question. How many times uh, did the ravens bring food each day? So he had to fast one meal. Because God knew. He was sending it according to his habit. He knows this man eats only twice. <laughs> that was his lifestyle all these years. We only hear in book of James chapter 5. Elijah was a man, a man just like My us God. with like passion but he prayed and God answered but we don't realize the hidden lifestyle. He was a man who fasted and prayed. So when you now He's spoken the word, God says, you need to take only two times. You take a third time, that guy won't eat. Because this is his life discipline. He's a fasting man. Okay? He's a fasting man. Okay? So, we need to get this as a 2019 to make it a discipline in our life. And the second thing we saw yesterday, important thing we saw yesterday is, this is the kind of fast. After that he says, the result of your fasting should be this, other than the band of wickedness and all that you says the feeding of the hungry and all that. Meaning it says, it actually frees your resources. Frees your resources. And we saw yesterday, right? If a man lives 50 years and he misses one meal, and one meal is 50 rupees, it's 10 lakhs. He's given away. You have to give it away. You have freed your resources. 50 rupees a day. A month, a year is 18,000 rupees. If 100 people decide to give that away for God, it's 18 lakhs. That's how the kingdom works. The kingdom God is not printing money there. It's not printing money over there. The kingdom of God is built on the sacrifice of his son and the sacrifice of his people. That's how it is built. The kingdom of the devil is built on the greed of the devil and the greed of his people. It's absolutely two tangents. So when you hear a message, see where the message is coming from. Is it based on sacrifice or it is based on greed? Okay, based on greed. So get these fundamental pictures over there in your mind. Okay? And above all, we saw yesterday when Jesus was talking to the disciples. The Pharisees also disciples fast. We saw in Mark two, seventeen, right? John's disciples also fast. And Jesus' disciples are not fasting. They said, How come your disciples are not fasting? He says when the bridegroom is there with them, do they need to fast? They should be eating. But I will be gone. Once I am gone, they will fast. So, there is incredible spiritual truth in it. Whenever fasting is real, our prayer is real, spiritual, and our meditation upon the word is real, it (coughs) enables us to draw close to God. That's how you keep that closeness with God. That closeness with God is kept through this discipline. How did this man of God remain so close to God? Is because this discipline was a real spiritual. And we saw also yesterday that forty days of fasting, God's heart, Moses' heart has become one. That God's law has become the law of Moses. It's always we'll call the law of Moses, though he never wrote one thing. Yet, God's mind has been transferred into that man's. And you will see he was the humblest of all. He said, truly, because fasting is the way you humble yourself. So today, day four, we will go back to Matthew 17, verse 19 to 21. Yeah. The true version you shall read. Yeah, please read Matthew seventeen, nineteen to 21. Yeah, please, quickly somebody. Then came to the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. Amen. So, we looked at that. Fasting is a humbling of ourselves. Praying is a depending upon God's power. That's why we pray. But that also is not enough. There is a feeding on the word so that we discern God's thoughts and God's ways. Because God has said, my thoughts are different, and my ways are different. But if you look at verse 17 once again, what Jesus says. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, God says, okay? When we fast and pray, first, a couple of things have to happen. It has to lead to repentance, which leads to sanctification. First thing he tells them is, you perverse generation, unbelieving and perverse. Unbelief is lack of faith. Perverse is lack of godliness. Mm. Okay, You faithless and perverse generation is the first thing that God tells them. So when we are fasting and praying, we are not looking at our problem. God is not looking at our problem. For him, our problems are nothing. He can solve it without even bothering about it. He is trying to change us in his image. So the first thing he says, you are a perverse generation. So when they hear from The message from Peter on the day of Pentecost. And the first thing he says is repent. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, okay, what he actually tells them is, yeah, with many other words he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this perverse generation. generation. That's the first thing. Come out of this perverse generation. It doesn't matter how good the world is. The world system is perverse. You say separate yourself from it. Come out of this perverse generation. Okay. We, we heard about Ezra. Ezra coming back and with all that gold, favor with man, favor with God. God protected them. They and the families all came back to Jerusalem and he finds that after Nehemiah, now he is coming after so many years. The temple construction has stopped. Everything has gone haywire with the first remnant that came back. When he actually sees what is happening over there, you can see his reaction. He is shocked with, not with the people who were there, but the remnant who came back. Look at it in chapter 9. After these things, verse 1 had been done, the leaders came to me and said, the people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring people with their detestable practice like those of Ezra 9. Verse 1. Like those of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites." Amorites. Every People whom God had said you should destroy and never. They went directly against the remnant. They have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons and have mingled the holy race with the peoples around them. And the leaders and the officials have led the way in their unfaithfulness. When I heard this, I tore my tunic and cloak, pulled hair from my head and beard and sat down appalled. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel gathered around me because of this unfaithfulness of the exiles. And I sat there upon until the evening sacrifice. Did you see the reaction? Did you see the reaction? That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, do you see the reaction? He says, when you hear the word, do you react that same way saying, yes Lord, 2018, I really went into the world and I like the world and I took so many things of the world. I did not actually separate my spirit from the world. Because the word, scripture talks about the spirit of the world. It is, why does God say don't love the things of the world it is because behind the things there is a spirit and that is the spirit of Satan and the spirit of mammon. The mammon is a spirit, okay. Why do we need money? Why do you are always after money? Not to serve others, but to serve self. That means the spirit of the world has got him. Okay, that's why God is talking about all you need, I will give it to you. You don't worry about it. You just seek my kingdom, my righteousness. So this is what has happened. You know when that world spirit comes and we don't, we don't separate ourselves from them. Their practices become our practices. Now what has happened is they have gone ahead and married all the unbelieving people around, and they have appropriated their practices, their gods, and they have mingled God and His ways with their ways. And in chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, scripture says, When Ezra was praying and confessing and weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children gathered around him, and they too wept bitterly. Okay. That was the beginning of the actual revival. You can build a temple without any revival. He didn't want to build a temple without any revival because revival begins in the heart of people. And when revival begins, one of the first sign of revival will people start separating themselves. You separate from something and you separate unto God. Then only revival is complete. You're not just separating for separation. That every Muslim, Buddhist, every devout Hindu, all of them do that separation but they are not separated unto the living God. Why are we separating? Because our living God is offended. We mixed Him with other things. Religious people separate for the sake of religion. It is a part of their thing. They are not separating because God is upset and they offended God, upset God. So, here you see the reaction is completely different. Once we have dealt with this perversity, that's the first thing. You have to deal with faithlessness. Okay, It is you unbelieving and perverse generation. Okay, You have to do this. You cannot handle one without the other. No, I will keep on going to the world, but I will keep on meditating on the word. God will say it will have no effect on your life. You have to come out and then feed on me. Then only it will have effect on me. Otherwise it will not work on. It's like, you know, like, like the old example, leaving the tap open and sweeping the bathroom. You can sweep the whole day until the tank goes empty. Nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to change. But on the other hand, if you shut the tap and start mopping your work is over pretty fast because supply is not coming in from the world. So he says there is a separation and there is a meditation. So he says, that's where he says, you know first perversity and faithless, unbelieving. Feed on the word, obey the word, act on the word, then only unbelief will go away. Please note this always. Israel did not enter the promised land not because of the giants or the fortified cities. They did not enter the promised land because of unbelief. The giants in that land or the fortified cities had nothing to do with not possessing their land. If we don't possess our enemies, our destiny, it has got nothing with the troubles we are facing. It's got only to do with one thing. We did not separate and we walked in unbelief. Nothing. That's why God says nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible with him or her own beliefs. You cannot say, Lord, my problems were too much. My mountains were too high. God will say that's not true. You did not separate. You did not believe. You went in your own way, in the ways of the Gentiles. And you were consumed by the world. So fasting and prayer, we are not first targeting the problem outside. We are not targeting the problems outside. We are first targeting the blocks inside blocks inside, because the mountain is cast down by faith in God. But the demons are also cast out by faith in God. One is outside, one is inside. Purpose of fasting and prayer and meditating on the word is not to change God, because God cannot be changed or his mind about our situation. It is to change us so that one of the primary reasons why are we gathered over here is to be pursue God without being distracted. You know, one man came and knocked who was not part of us. Immediately, he distracted all of us. Right? All of you came, it didn't distract. Because you came for a purpose. You were leaving something and coming inside for something. But when one man who had nothing to do with us came and knocked, he brought distraction. So, one of the reasons when God says fasting, praying, and this thing, it is to see that... We are not distracted by the things, like food is not distracting us. And you, Jesus, always went to a lonely place. Have you noticed in the Bible? He never is where the disciples are sleeping or they're sitting and talking early in the morning before sun rises. Because he knows once sun rises, the people will start coming and demanding things of him. Because he's got power and they want to use that power. So he knew the only way he could walk with his father was to rise before it anybody wakes up. Even before the sun comes out, I need to get out before anybody wakes up, at least a couple of hours before Peter will wake up. I need to find a low, lonely place where nobody is there because when he starts praying, nobody will sleep. So that's how he prays. So he f- would always find a deserted place and he would start praying. Okay, and you will see that is his lifestyle. He fasted, he prayed and he dwelt on the word of God. And God says, that unbelief will be cast down and faith in God. So both has to take place. Remember Hebrews 6. Repentance from dead works and faith towards God. You have to separate from one thing and separate unto God. Otherwise it will, see we are, we are doing one without the other and we struggle. We struggle. Lord, a Christian, it's not that they don't go to church, it's not that they don't read the Bible, it's not that they don't pray, but they don't separate. And God says, it simply won't work. You know in mathematics, right? You can't use half a formula. <laughs> you will not get, you won't, you see, in mathematics, if you use half a formula, you don't get half a solution. You get no solution. But Christians are trying that same thing in their life by trying half a formula and hoping for some solution. God says, no solution. It doesn't work. He says, it simply doesn't work. Okay. So, the, that's what talk, God is talking about. You unbelieving, faithless, and perverse generation. He says, these are the things you need to do. You need to fast. First, you need faith. If you have faith, most of the things can be handled. Then, you need to fast, and you need to pray. These three you have to put together in your life. The word, fasting, and praying. In Mark 16, remember, this is what Jesus said. These signs shall follow, follow. Those who believe. believe. He said, the science shall follow those who believe. Believing is the main thing. You don't have to go after the science. The science will come after you simply because you believe. He says that faith is that main thing. We have to believe what we read, we hear, because faith comes from hearing. And the proof of you have believed is your action. Like I said, no, it is so easy, like again we shall do because others did not, quite a few were in there the day when I told you, stretch your hand. How easy it is to stretch your hand, right? But to stretch your hand, you had to hear me say that, right? Mm -hmm. Then only you could stretch your hand. To stretch your hand is very easy. But to stretch your hand, you have to hear. What did God tell Israel when they were standing behind, uh, beside the Red Sea with the Pharaoh's army behind them? What did he say? Stretch your hand. The Red Sea parted. Is it difficult to stretch your hand? No, it's not. But it's very difficult to hear. There were 600,000 men. None of them heard. Only one man heard. And he stretched his hand. And the Red Sea parted for all of them. It's not, this is so difficult. It is the hearing. Once you have heard, you have to obey. And that's when your Red Sea parts. When your problem parts. You have to, we have to learn to hear. Because, when God sees, God says, the battle is already <coughs> over. He is not saying, oh, what shall I do? They are still fighting. He has already seen the end from the beginning. He has seen the battle is already over in Christ Jesus. We are crying for blessings. But Ephesians 1.3 says, he has already blessed us. He has already blessed where? In the spiritual realm. So so It's very funny, right? Lord bless me. God says, do you see? Do you see? He says, you are already blessed. Do you see? But you are blessed in Christ. You are not blessed outside Christ. You are only blessed in Christ. He says, do you see Christ? Or do you see yourself? Supply already has been met. The whole fasting, praying, meditating on the word of God, the separation from the world and faith rising is so that we can partake of God's divine supply. We can partake of God's divine supply. That's the whole purpose of it. We are not saying, Lord, is there anything for me? We already know all I need is already there. Now, help me to connect and get my supply. Think about the words we had looked a couple of weeks back. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. The first thing God speaks over by faith over Adam and Eve. Verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. And rule, right? What did he say? Be fruitful, multiply, fill, earth, fill subdued. and subdue. <coughs> have dominion, right? Is that what he's telling them? look at one thing simple thing you look at it okay God is saying all that to Adam and Eve when did he create Adam and Eve at the end right so all they have to do the supply is already there God is saying God is is God is is he saying first uh, work hard and then get some fruits the fruits are already there the trees are already planted the animals are already there. Everything you need to become this is already supplied. Be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue. That's why he created man only at the end. In God's this thing, it's provision first. So let me ask you this question: You are all theologians, so you know the answer very well. Who came first? The first Adam or the last Adam? Yeah, the last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, right? Who came first, the first Adam or last Adam Jesus? Christ? Why? Because God had already made provision for sin. Right? Why did the last Adam come first? Because the first Adam would fall. <laughs> Did the first Adam live first or the last Adam die first? The last Adam died, died, died first. Died first. Before the foundation of the world. Do you see what God is saying? Do you understand? Before you will meet any need in your life, the supply is already there. Before the first man will ever fall, grace is already provided. Atonement is already provided. That's how God is. That's how God is. So the whole question of fasting, praying, meditating on the word of God is to basically understand God's ways. Understand his thoughts and us to change and not God to change. You may pray and suddenly realize, oh wow, I changed God's mind. God says, no, you actually change and align to mind. My mind was always like that for you. (laughs) My mind was always like that. So, okay, you have to think about it. Okay, think about it simply. All of you breathe. Breathe in. Lungs came first or air came first? <laughs> air came first. Yeah, right? So God was first creating a lungs and he said, hey, wait, 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 Holy Spirit, wait, wait, I haven't created air yet. <laughs> See, we always know that, right? But we don't realize that. That is where the whole purpose of Fasting, praying, meditating on the word of God is for unbelief to go. Faith to arise. Faith to arise. In Matthew uh, 9.29, if I'm right, and somebody comes to Jesus, this is what he says. He touched, eyes, he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, huh? speak to you. What do you want? You want to see. He so said, let it be according to your faith. <laughs> he didn't say, let it be according to my faith. Then everything will happen. How easy it is, right? <laughs> everything will happen according to his faith, right? He's not saying that. He's saying, let it be according to your faith. I remember one man of God, 25 years ago, or maybe even before that, I heard this man of God say that, When his children were small, every time he fell, they fell ill, he prayed over them, they got healed. But when they became teenagers and he prayed over them, they never got healed. And he asked God, Lord, why? He says, enough. Now they have to stand on their own faith. It is not according to your faith. Now it is according to their faith. Otherwise they will never grow. Never grow. Okay? So God says, from Egypt till this mountain, I carried you on eagle's wing and brought you. Now learn to walk. If you don't learn to walk, you will die here. Don't expect me to carry you from here into the promised land. He said, no. You need to grow up and learn to walk by faith. Fight this battle of faith. The problem is, we like being carried. Spiritually being carried. The problem is, spiritually we are carried, we will never mature. And I always tell my wife, I said, you have to stop Constantly praying for people they 're just taking the load and putting it on you, and it 's the same prayer always. How long will you carry them? They will never learn to walk they 'll never learn to walk no? once in a while, it is fine, no? like yesterday, ma fed all of you ma won. yeah that 's okay that 's nice. you know when I children they 'll all come and sit beside me and once they 'll open you may not twenty one twenty two I have to feed them like that. Even our MR children, we have learned them taught them to eat on their own. And God says, Are you spiritually MR? <coughs> you want to be carried all your life? Have you learned to walk with your father? He says, I can carry you all the way. He said, I will do. So when it comes to salvation, I will carry you all the way. But he says it very clearly. If you remain a child. Remember, a child, though he's a child, and owns everything, will not inherit. He's just like a slave, like a servant. And he says, don't end up like that. Don't end up like that. Don't end up like that. No? Actually, you girls understand it very well. You are on the third floor and the first floor, and in the middle, we have a set of children. Let us say, Mary and Joy. They are also our children. But all their life, what, by, what can we get Mary and Joy do? Maximum sweep. That's all we can teach them. Nothing else. Nothing else. But every one of you can study, get a job, and take care of your yourself. But they can't. Though they are children. So God says, if you spiritually don't grow and mature, what do you think I can ask you to do? Sweep the streets of heaven? Because I cannot entrust anything into you because you never grew. I'm not talking about you need to sleep in heaven. <laughs> but I'm talking about the nature of work God will be able to entrust into us for eternity. And you know how boring it will be. You have a body which doesn't want food. A body that doesn't sleep. Unbelievable amounts of energy and nothing to do. And you know how boring life is going to be? you <laughs> <Just imagining. laughs> imagine, it. because there are quite a few of us here who are workaholics, okay, so imagine, oh my God, if I end up over there, I don't have work, what will I do? I will I will sleep, you can't sleep. The God of Israel either sleeps or slumber, nor slumber, not does the devil sleep, because spirits don't sleep. <laughs> okay, what? you,, 'll watch cricket, there's no cricket there <laughs> And the problem in the heaven is that the guys who play cricket, the bowlers can't get the other fellow out <laughs> because he's a perfect batsman, and this fellow is a perfect bowler, so it's like stunning cricket, <laughs> okay So think about it, it's, though it's funny, but think about it, okay, So it all has to be there sanctification, separation, drawing near to God in faith. I read a beautiful I don't know it's not even said who wrote it, but I thought it was so beautiful that it says, Prayer is the hand by which we grab the invisible. Prayer Prayer is the hand by which we grab the invisible. And faith is the hand, fasting is the hand by which we let go of the visible. Wow! (laughs) Prayer is the hand by which we We grab the the invisible. invisible. And fasting, fasting is the hand by which we let go of the visible, okay? By fasting, we let go of the visible. We left the visible world, and we have come into a world which is the body of Christ, the church we have gathered. We have let go of the visible, that is the food for our bellies. We have let go of the visible world. All those things we let go, that is fasting. And now in prayer and in faith, we get Hold of the invisible. We haven't come here to get grab the invisible. Are we getting it? Yep. Hmm. This is what the Bible is whole talks about. Okay, Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, very familiar verses where scripture says, offer your bodies as a? Yes. And where is the sacrifice? Fasting. Oh. Fasting. There are two things which are absolutely vital for us in this world. One is food and second is time. We are caught in time, and to live in time, we need food. Even if we don't have anything else, we can still survive in time with food. We need food, and we need time. And these are the two things we sacrifice. All of you, you had night duty yesterday? Therefore, okay. You have night duty today? (laughs) Okay. You know, we have doctors coming from 30, 35 kilometers every day, right after night duty, coming here, sitting till afternoon, then going for the next duty. You know it's time. It's a question of time. So you sacrifice. In food, that's the only way you think you can sacrifice. You have three meals, you sacrifice one meal. And you sacrifice your time. And then God says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It becomes, when it becomes a living, (coughs) like I said, a lifestyle, it becomes a daily sacrifice. In the temple, they had to offer a daily sacrifice. In the new covenant, God says, I don't want anything there. I want you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. That's why I said, slowly, but make it a practice that you set apart one meal for God. I'm taking that, that off. Over a period of time, let it be your discipline. Two meals a day, and I'm not forcing. It all has to be done voluntarily. Otherwise, it has, it's not, there is no law called the law of fasting. No. There are law of results of fasting. That is there. There is no law of fasting. It has to be voluntary. Second, your time. You will have to give time to God. What happens is, when you do that, that fasting and prayer part, it makes your spirit sensitive to hear what God is saying. That is why after that, the third, second thing that is written It is written, renewing of your mind. You are suddenly sensitive. When you are fasting and praying, you are suddenly sensitive. And you understand what are the holy things of God and what are not the unholy things of God. So the remnant that came back with Ezra, they had fasted and they had come, so they were separated and they were sensitive. When they came back to another group of remnants who had come earlier, whose lifestyle had changed, these people were so sensitive to the sins of the others. And they wept and they cried. If we don't fast and pray, we will not be sensitive to the things that God is sensitive about. That's the problem. We will think everything is okay with me. So we have a problem, and the problem is moving us. So we'll say, I have a problem, let me fast and pray. But when we start, start actually genuinely fasting and praying for our problem, we realize that is not the problem. God has got a problem with me. He says, I want you to come near me. But you cannot come near me until you deal with these issues. Deal with these issues. Okay. And some people may have no issues in the body. But God says, you got an issue with the soul. Like I said, the issue with the soul is the soul is the intellectual part of you. And an intellectual person who is not spiritual is the most stubborn person. They will not bend their will to God's will. Saul is not a fool, he's very intellectual, and he refuses to bend his will to God's will. So God has to destroy him. Samson is a fleshly fool. Saul is not a fleshly fool. Saul is an intellectual. He exactly knows what he wants, and he will not bend his will before God's will. So Samson could be redeemed at his end. Saul could never be redeemed. So please don't look at everything in the same way unless you go through Scripture and look at these people. And you would say, you know what? So so you will say, I have no issues. I don't overeat. I exercise regularly. I'm not fascinated by food or this thing or clothes or any. I'm not fascinated by any of these things. God says, maybe not, but you have a stubborn will. It's always, you will uh, you will trying to bend me to your will. And you are fasting not to find a solution to your problem. You are fasting that you want the solution to your problem, which is your solution and not my solution. And you are trying to bend me to that. That is where, when we go into that, God shows it. And we need to realize our God doesn't compromise. He doesn't cut edges. He doesn't make adjustments. Because he cannot. That's the nature of his kingdom. So when we fast, Scripture says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And the first thing is, what is it? Holy. We are unaware of what are the unholy things in our life. Okay, so it will only happens when you're fasting and pray. People who don't fast and pray is never aware of their unholiness. Even if they hear their word and they get convicted when they go out, it's gone. But people who have a habit of fasting and praying and seeking the face of God, even if there is a little thing that comes, God makes them aware of it. And they deal with it immediately. Because they are fasting and praying for a purpose to get close to God. It's not because of a problem. Because it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And they are aware of it. That's why the remnant that comes with Ezra and the remnant that is there are two different groups. One is aware of their other sins, and the others are all absolutely fine. And when the leadership and the leader is crying and wailing, the crowd gathers. Then the spirit moves and they are all crying. They are all crying. That's what God is talking about. Otherwise it does. So he says first thing is that offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, not like that, holy. So our fasting and prayer meditating on the word should lead to a holiness that demands which God. And we have to learn to put away things. And if you don't fast and pray, you will not know. I will not know. What are those things? What are the things we need to put away? And then holy and acceptable, acceptable pleasing. And version will use the term pleasing. It's not just holy, pleasing. Why? Now you understood and you start putting away things. And when you start putting away things, it's because you heard. You heard, right? When the problem came, Philistines were oppressing them and they cried and they came to Samuel. And Samuel saw them mourning and he said, yeah, you're all mourning? Why are you mourning? Because of your trouble? Yeah. He says, put away. Put away. Put away all these things you've taken from the other generations, other, uh, other not generations, other cultures. Put that away. Put it away. And by faith, they start putting it away. When you, it's not, faith has two sides. Faith, by faith, I put away, and by faith, I put on. Okay, both are parts of it. But scripture says, by faith, when I put away, when I obey God, it becomes pleasing. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Meaning, with faith, it is able to please God. So, scripture says in Romans 12, 1, Offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. acceptable, pleasing. Now, your faith is pleasing, because your faith has action. Otherwise, we'll go, we'll go. And the devil is like that, you know, the devil, the thing is that the, the, the spiritual kingdom works like that. Uh, God will not budge, enemy will not budge. So there are lots of desires in our lives which are not necessarily bad. To want a good job is not a bad. To want good results is not a bad. To get married is not bad. These are all good. God put all these things in. You will not have a single desire if there was not supply for it from God. Every desire is based on a supply. If God had said, let me make man and let there be no marriage, there is no desire. Yes. There is no desire, okay? Man shall work, therefore you desire for a job. He put hunger, therefore you desire for food, okay? Remember everything, but the problem is God won't budge from his ways because of who he is. He is righteous. And the enemy will put on pressure then on us. Can you cut corners? Because he knows the desire is from God. If I can only get this person to get out of God's way and fulfill that desire, I got his destiny. I know Joseph is destined to rule. If I can only get him to give in to a natural desire outside of God's way, I have fixed it forever. He can't rule. He can't rule. It is not that he cannot rule because he took a young girl. No, he can rule. He can marry that girl and still rule. No, he's taking another man's wife. That's why God had no issues with David as long as he took other women. But the minute he took another man's wife, he said, this child will die and the sword will not depart. The end of Israel, beginning of the end of Israel came from that one night. It came from that. (laughs) That is what God is doing. That's what the devil is trying to do. All desires are natural. But he's trying us to get out of God's way and get it. That is what the pressure is. For the believer. The pressure for the unbeliever, he has no pressure. The child of the enemy has no pressure. It's all natural pressure. So that's what God is saying that. Living sacrifice, fasting, praying, faith, and the renewal of the mind. Renewal is the term, renovate. Let's, let's say this is an old house. This is not an old house. Let us imagine this is an old house. One of you buys this. When you come into the house, you like, outside was good, but you don't like the inside. So you build, call the people who will renovate your house. And you will say, no, I don't need such a, I don't need a puja room. I want it to be my study. So this is how I want you to fix it. So they say, okay, we'll tear all this down and fix it up. Oh, I don't like this bathroom. It's in Indian. Indian. I'm going to break it down and make it western. Oh, it's a very large room. I can fit in a bathtub also over there. You renovate the entire thing according to your liking. That's exactly what Romans 12 says. Once God gets his house, he starts renovating it so that he can live there. (laughs) <laughs> Instead, what we are trying to do is that we are trying to use God to renovate for ourselves to be more comfortable. <laughs> you forgot who is the one who is coming to live. It's no, Yeah, isn't that what he told in the Old Testament to Israel? I will come into the camp and I will see all of you that you are all are clean and holy because I am going to dwell in the midst. All the Levitical laws were not given for Israel. It was for God to be with Israel. We think it was for Israel. As long as they didn't want God, the laws don't matter. You read Old Testament very clearly. Every law was given to Israel so that God could live in their midst. That's why three, three, three tribes on four sides, the tabernacle was in the middle. Meaning in your life as an individual, as a family, as a community, I am the center. I am the heartbeat. and It's about me and it's not about you. That's the purpose. Of all this teaching and praying and fasting and meditating that God comes back to the center. center. Because like I was saying, once this is over, we'll pray for 15-20 minutes. For real prayer to take place like the apostles prayed for 10 days, the mind has to become one. Then only prayer can really happen. Otherwise, we cannot really pray. We cannot really pray. We three, like we said, we three pray. Every day we three pray. Pastor Vijay, me and Ma, we pray every day. It's because we have come to a purpose which is very common. Our purpose is very common. Our mind is aligned to one thing. Only thing we think about is not our children, all our children. Spiritual and physical. It's only the kingdom of God. So purpose is aligned. So we can pray. We can pray. And God is talking about the church becoming one. The purpose is the kingdom and the kingdom alone. And all these things shall be added. That's where all this teaching comes. They gather daily for the apostles' doctrine, for fellowship, for breaking of bread. Doctrine, fellowship, judgment. What's the whole idea? So that they become one mind. And fourth is put prayer. And when they became of one mind and they are praying, scripture says God did amazing things in their midst. They didn't have to go after anything. Everything was coming after them. All the things they wanted was happening among them because they had become of one mind. And doctrine is the first thing. Teaching is the first thing so that we allow, renovate the ear, the heart, the mind, the lips. You look at Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Verse seventeen Verse 19. Yeah, to nineteen. Yeah. Incline your ear mm. and hear the words of the wise. Incline your ear. Ear. And hear the words oh. of the wise. Yes. And apply your heart to my knowledge. Okay. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you. Mm. If you, uh, if all of them are ready on your lips. Lips. Okay. Hear heart, keep them in your mind. Let them be ready on your lips. That's how faith works. You hear, you believe, you meditate. and When the time comes, the spirit says, this is what you need to say. That's the whole process. And fasting and prayer and meditation is to align our mind and our heart with God. A lot of you are children sitting here. Children in the sense, teenagers. And you come. You may not understand a lot of things. To those people, God says, be like Mary. Not Mary Magdalene, Jesus' mother. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 51, this is what scripture says about, she heard a lot of things, she didn't understand most of the things. But she treasured them in her heart. You may not understand a lot of things. A lot of things. You know, a lot of things which I preached to you today, I heard when I was young, I didn't understand. But I did not forget. I treasured them in my mind. I kept them in my diaries. Wrote it down, and now later it all started making sense. It started making sense. Okay, it all started making. That's what. Luke. Okay. can you read Luke two fifty one? Then he went down with him to get Nazareth, and was subject to But his mother kept all these things in her heart. All these things in her heart. And he spoke to her in the temple and all. She didn't understand any of these things. When Simeon prophesied over the baby and then over her, she didn't understand. A sword will go through your soul and all. She didn't, really understand. She didn't understand any of those things. But on the cross, when she looked at him hanging over there, the sword was going through her soul. And wow. she said, ah, 33 years ago Simeon had said this. So this is what it meant. The prophecy meant this is what it meant. A lot of things we won't understand. But one day it will make start making sense. So what we do, we treasure these things in our mind, in our heart, mind. Because that's what God is trying to do. He tried to do it with an entire nation. As, as we come to the last few minutes, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Very familiar words again for us. And verse 3. Yeah, we read 2 and 3. <coughs> Yeah, He led them into the wilderness. The first thing is that the part of the fasting is a separation from the world. He brought them out of Egypt, out of the city, into the wilderness, a separation from the world. What was the purpose? To humble humble them. them. Then? And to prove thee, to know that what was in thy heart. Whether thou keep his commandments or not. Hmm. and humble thee and suffer thee to hunger hmm. and fed thee
1: with manna He
0: caused him. them to hunger. It was a fast for them. It was an actual 40-year fast for them. They couldn't eat the things which they were used to eating, and they were removed from the place from they were used to living. And God says, I caused that to see whether you would humble yourself. I can do one and two. No, I can't do one and two, but I can do one and do with uh, GSS children if you want. Yeah, and I decide for the next three days you're not getting your meals and you're not going to school. Suddenly you're stuck in your dorms. All right, but that's all. But that doesn't mean your heart is humble. <coughs> Outwardly, these people were like forced into a situation in the desert and fed nothing they're used to. Only manna, which comes in the morning. And God says, I caused you to humble, caused you to hunger, and I fed you with manna to see whether you would live off my word. Whether I could generate faith in you. And he said, I couldn't. I couldn't. Outwardly we can do all these things, but at the end of seven days, if faith hasn't resigned. And we have decided, you know what, I'm going to live off the word of God. Yes, I have food for my body and all, but that's not my real sustenance. I realize the real me is my spirit. And my spirit needs the word of God. And it's the spirit that is going to live through this body. The body will be taken care of, but I will live off the word of God. We have really humble love. There is God has humbled them, led them into the wilderness forty years. And We will think, Lord, you knew they were going to fail. He says, no. I knew they would fail, but I knew their children would succeed. And their children had a 40-year lifestyle of fasting from Egypt. The food of Egypt, the land of Egypt, the sites of Egypt, and feeding on God's word. And 40 years later, they said, we are ready to possess the land. We are ready to fight, and we will follow you, Joshua. And That's what God is talking about. This is a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle we appropriate. So when you open the word of God or you hear the word of God or you are reading the word of God you need to have open ears. an Open heart. Jeremiah will put it across this way in Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. When your word came to me I ate them. I ate them. yeah, read it. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Amen. For I am called by your name, O Lord Lord. Mm. God. When your words came, I ate them. I ate them. I ate them. What a powerful words. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name. And imagine, Jeremiah is saying, I bear your name. Actually, we bear his His name. name. (laughs) Jeremiah was never baptized in the name of Jesus. We just called and said, you go preach in my name. But we have been baptized in his name. And those of us who have been baptized in his name, can we actually say, when your word came, I ate them up. I love your word. I like feeding on your word. I can fast a meal and feed on your word. Not a big deal. Or is it? when will my lunch come? What is the time? (laughs) Uh, When will we? We can react two ways. Honestly, as time goes on, we have to react one way. I can miss him. I'm not eating lunch today. I'm in the middle of God speaking to me. I'm going to. I'm not going to stop that. Or we can say, when is this message going to finish? I need to go eat. Mm -hmm. No. Now, what I took with you, like. It took 10 years, right? Remember from the beginning we said message is not going to be 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, right? And it took a long time. A lot of people were struggling. You know? Now you are all used to, right? In the other local church, Nepali church where I go, where they are not used to forget 20 minutes word, they are not even used to the word. <laughs> Only three, three months or four months. Now one hour, 45 minutes, they don't move. They don't want to leave when I finish. They sit there listening. We never knew this was there in the word. What it took for me with our church, years, it's already three, four months. They set. And they come. And they come. They were asking where I come more. I said, no, I cannot. I cannot take from my church and give it to you. I can't do that. I cannot do that. You know, you think you cannot change? Of course you can change. When your word came, I ate it. It was my joy and my delight. I'm not eating today. What's the big deal? How does your mind think always? No, people think, oh, I have to eat, I have to eat, I have to eat, I have to eat, I have to eat. God says, when my word came, did he say, I am not eating today. I am studying today. That's what he said, where your heart treasure is, that's where you are. I mean, these are this, these are all spiritual habits, spiritual habits. And this is what we are talking about, no? The writer of ecclesiastics will say, A threefold cord cannot be broken. So God says, in your life, let it be that threefold cord which we saw yesterday. Fasting, praying, and giving. It should result in giving. The purpose of fasting, praying, feeding on the Word is so that we become like God. God is a giver. From the beginning, God is a giver, and God is a server. He serves his creation, and he wants us who are born of his image to be servants, to serve. And you cannot serve unless you have something to give. And you cannot give, have something to give unless you receive, because God owns everything. And God says, if you want to receive from me, this is the only way you will receive. You have a lifestyle of separation, fasting. Pray and quickening of your spirit, a renewal of your mind through my word. And then automatically it starts changing. Your life starts changing and you will always realize I have something to give. God never left you empty, a word of encouragement, a prayer for somebody. And then suddenly you see a gift working, you prayed, somebody got healed. And then you realize, hey, this month out of nowhere I got uh, extra bonus. And you will feel ah, I should buy a dress. And you will hear the Holy Spirit say, I gave it to you, not to buy, to give. You listen, you will hear. Listen, you will hear. And you will see it works. Once you have practiced that consistently, you know, the greatest yoke of people is a fear of provision. It's broken. Once that is broken, you are free. Until that is broken. And the only way it can be broken is by giving. Giving away. Otherwise, it will never be broken. Consistently giving away. And it has to be given by faith. It has to be given by faith. Because God gives by faith. God gave his only begotten son to us when all mankind were his enemies. By faith he gave. You cannot give by sight. If God saw two people being saved and he gives, it is by sight. So oh. That's why it was rejected. Oh, it was only after he hung on the cross, one man believed in the kingdom. But he had to hang there first. Okay, Remember, you cannot give by sight. You have to give by faith. Because anybody can give by sight. In the world, anybody have 100 rupees, I can give 20 rupees away. I have 80 is enough for my expenses today, I can give 20 away. God says, yeah, everybody gives. Mm. That's not faith. Faith breaks the yoke. And we are called to live by faith. And as you grow in faith, pressure doesn't increase. It decreases. It increases. That's why you have to keep on growing in the faith. Otherwise, you will reach a status quo. You reached and you grew in your faith, and this much you carry this burden, and you stop growing in your faith. And you realize, oh, I'm fine. My burden is still the same, and the burden and this provision is being met. What you don't realize is, because you did not grow in your faith, God could not put more oh, burden on your shoulders. Like uh, the Divya. Which one is Divya? You are Divya. Which class are you? Class? It's. If I give you class 6 math exam, will you get good marks? Yeah? And can you be proud about it? You need to realize, a you know, lot of people have reached certain stages in their life and they are bringing the same result. They are very happy about it because it is 100%. But because they are doing the same textbook exams over and over again, You cannot be comfortable with your spiritual life. Cannot be comfortable because He gives the spirit without measure, without measure. You you see, we know all this in the physical realm. Yeah, every exam I got hundred percent, and you don't realize it is the same exam over and over again. If the exam were to change, you fail. That means you haven't grown. You haven't grown you haven't grown. And the whole idea of spirituality is, I mean, with walk with God is you grow. You grow and you keep on growing. So don't get comfortable. Ever with, ever with spiritual life, never get comfortable because the difference of the spirit and the body is, the body, stomach can only take this much. You cannot eat after that. It is full. And you'll say, no, I add enough. Your body can't take more than one shirt. After that, you look odd. <laughs> Your feet cannot wear more than one shoe. That's a limitation. The problem is we apply the same limitation to the spirit. And it is not true. It is not true. The spirit is like God's spirit. There is no limit. We limit it ourselves. And what fasting and prayer does is, it's an emptying to be filled. It's an emptying. It's, so don't ever, ever, ever get comfortable with your spiritual growth. It will be the most foolish mistake a believer makes. You know, John the Baptist in the island of Patmos. Had come, he thought at the end of his life and the end of the ministry. Now he has gone into a very spiritual, very good spiritual routine. But incredible routine connected with God. But he said it's all over. I always wonder about him because scripture says in Revelation chapter 1, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. Meaning he was worshipping. My question is, where did you get your calendar from? To you know this is the Lord's day. Yeah, well, <laughs> There's a clock inside. There's a clock inside. Today is Sunday. Today is Sunday. I cannot sleep like before. Today is Sunday. Today is the day of worship. It's not color. He's a prisoner in a deserted rocky island. Go home. If you have Google, check out Patamos. It still looks the same. It's a rocky island. And That's where he is. And scripture says, on the Lord's day. He says, okay, my work is over. No preaching, no congregation, nothing. But I will worship the Lord. And the Lord speaks to him and he says, son, your work is not finished. Actual work is beginning. Beginning. And for the work you have to do now, you cannot stay where you are. You have to grow. Come up here. You cannot do this work from where you are here. You can do this work only from here. Come up here. Once he goes up there, you know, that's only in chapter four. Only in chapter? In two and three, he says, now come with me and see what's happening here. You, you're, you're burdened in this island, cut away from all the churches, crying over the churches. Do you know what's happening with the churches? Come with me. I'll show you because you share my burden. So you write to them what I think about the churches. Here, John, see what Ephesus is doing, what Smyrna is doing, what Sardis is doing, what Pergamum is doing, what Thyatira is doing. And be happy about Philadelphia. Look at what Laodicea is doing. One man is being given A vision of what is actually happening on earth because his heart is crying over that. God says, You see. And then he says, Come up here and see the end. This is how it will all And you thought your work is over? Your growth is enough? Growth is enough? God says, No. Never stop growing. Never never stop. Never stop seeking the the spiritual thing, the things of God, and never be satisfied with that. Never be, sat- Never be satisfied with your prayer life. I'm totally dissatisfied with my prayer life and the reaction to that, you ask my wife, I fight with her all the time. And I blame her. Even last night, I said, you're not praying enough. Because that's my weakness. I can sit and study the word without sleeping for days, but I struggle to pray. And I know that is my weakness. When I should be strengthening my prayer life, but what I do, I blame it on her. I said, you are supposed to pray for me. But that's a cop out. That's an excuse. That's an excuse. So, 2019. One thing I'm asking from God is not so much about my word life. It's about my prayer life. I want. I don't want to depend even on that on my wife. No, that's that's not her job. Yes, she has to pray, as her, but not on my behalf. Not behalf. No, I cannot. It could be called dereliction of duty. I do pray, but I cannot pray like her. I don't have to pray like her, I have to pray like me. So we have to look in and say, Lord, where do I have to change in 2019? Where do I have to change in 2019 when it comes to, where do I need to sacrifice? Where can I take my time out and give it to you? Where can I take my time out and give it to you? Where do I have to make my changes? Okay, because there is a sacrifice which is living, consistent, a living sacrifice. 2019 goes that way. It will change your life for, life for ever. Ever. And you will, one day you will be able to look like all of us and look back and say, oh, I was 20 years old, 21 years old, 22 years old, and I didn't know God was directing my steps. I didn't know God was directing my steps. No. At 22 to get out of the yoke of the home, make my own money and be free and independent. I just write a plain paper <laughs> application. Those days, no, I go to the typing center, get it typed out, put my signature, send it. Two weeks later, telegram comes, wireless telegram. That's what it is called those days. Report for interview. I had no clue there is a God that is moving. One man has gone, resigned and gone because you are not called in, you are not called in October. Middle of the academic year. Middle of the academic year. Only called in the beginning of the academic year. But in the middle of the academic year, one man left. And my application went, let's look like that, like that, went. So they called me, they interviewed me, they took me. And I go, I have told the young people, I'm going young man with my heavy suitcase and a bed holder. It's biting cold and as I'm entering into the country, I see a small little shop as big, a little bigger than this small little shop written over there, New Life Book Center. And I go in there and I see this old book sitting over there, nobody has bought for 20, 25 years. And I pick one, Richard Boomerant. Okay. I pick one, Martin Lloyd Johnson. I pick another one. Those books, the next two years, as a young man in a country, no church, no radio, no TV, no newspaper, nothing. Those books framed me. You ask me, did that God know me? It changed my life. It set my theology. It set the path for my life. Everything. Okay. So you need to realize there is a God who already has a plan for you. And there is a provision for that plan. Our job is to seek him and say, Lord, here I am. I don't know. Open my eyes. I don't know, Lord. Choose for me. The wise people in the Bible, that's why it's written, they did not choose for themselves. They allowed God to choose for them. No, Uh, Ruth could have said, no, you are a nasty woman, shouting and screaming me at all the time. I am going back. She said, I am coming with you. I don't care who you are, but I see your God is the real God. And she listened. Where did you get so much grain? Which which field did you go to? Oh, I went to this guy's, I heard this is the, oh, that's a close relative. I will tell you. This is what you need to do. Harvest is over. Yeah, harvest is over. You need to do it. See? Ruth, go shower, be- wear your best clothes, go in the evening. Wait until they have all finished eating, drinking. Once he is finished drinking and going to sleep, once he is falling asleep, just remove his sheet and lie at his feet. How will she become the redeemer's mother? Because she listened to a voice. She knew this. woman Doesn't matter, doesn't matter about how outward she has got wisdom. Right. Vasti is been rejected. Thousands of young girls have been brought up from all over Babylon. All is being prepared to take to the king. Which will the king choose as his queen? And one girl will go to the king, and after that she will go into a different harem and she's locked up because if she becomes pregnant, that child is the king's child. Therefore, the harem you are locked in and she will never come out. If she doesn't become pregnant or the king doesn't call back, she never comes out. That was the fate of the girls chosen by the king. You have to understand that. And they are picked and she's brought in over there. One by one they are allowed. You can go with whatever you want from the palace. Harem. They all go with everything. When it came to Esther's time, she asked the eunuch, you pick for me. You pick for me. She knows. He knows the king. I don't know him. I've never seen him, but he knows. You pick for me. I'm not going to choose. You have a wisdom, which I don't have. You pick for me. And he said, these are the things. With that she went. The king looked at her, and he liked her, and he said, you are the next queen. That's where you make your choices as young people. You always make your choices. Say, Lord, I don't know. Don't say, Lord, I know. I just need some help on the way, but I know. No, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. I know I have to work. All I'm going to do is knock the door. You open it for me. And then let me make those choices, Lord. Let me make those choices. You know, you help me along the way and all this becomes part of our lifestyle. We fast, we pray, we meditate on the word of God. We become givers with the little we have. We become the givers with the little we have. Okay, that's the only test for the woman, a widow at zarefat. She's speaking, she's got only little, and she's going to eat, and after that it is over, and then suddenly she's asked this question. Will you give it to me? That's called the widow's fast. Theologians call it the widow's fast. Will you give it to me? I mean, in her natural she has to think, if I give it to him, I have to fast. And she gives it to him. And a breakthrough comes. Fasting actually breaks strongholds and prayer and in giving. That's why this three threefold cord cannot be broken. You fast, you pray, and I say fifty eight says, You give. Thank you. Let me tell this once again as I close. I always told you about this, where I learned when I was a teenager doing my degree days that was three months ago, I went for that wedding, my best friend, Now let me tell you about him too, he's in England, I went for his son's wedding, and I asked him, have you shifted, uh, I said, are you still living, he lives outside London, I said, are you still living where you lived, I said, he said, no, I have shifted, I said, where have you shifted, why have you shifted, he said, I shifted, uh, I said, are you closer to the office now, he said, no, I am much further from the office, I said, you are much further from the office now, yeah, we both have to drive like three hours back and forth in UK. I said, why did you shift? He said, I realize if I have to continue in my growth, my spiritual growth, I need to shift my uh, my house, not closer to the office, but closer to the church. He said, we have shifted closer to church so that we can attend every meeting in the church. Earlier we were not able to because the distance was too much. So he said, now we are okay driving every day to office. When we come back, we go to church. This is in UK. Mm. Believers are also making their decisions that it is not prosperity, it is not money. Is, the whole thing is falling apart. We need to stay close to God. And Then we were. He was my. He's my age. He was, and he had three younger brothers. And his third brother was in class seven or eight. And uh, they used to keep Lent, forty-day fasting, and uh, forty-day fasting. I used to be oh, during. Every week, two days, three days, I used to be in their house, because my parents were far away. So we decided to eat lunch, and this boy said he was not eating. He said, no, I'm fasting lunch too. Then I saw him going into the kitchen and coming out with a packet, and I asked him, Johan, where are you going? Because in Kerala, we pack food in banana leaves. He had cut a banana leaf. You know, you cut a banana leaf, you put it over the fire, it becomes very easy to pack. No, He said, I am... Taking, I am not eating, but I am taking my food which I would have eaten, which my mom cooked for me, and I'm going down to the corner where a beggar sits to give it to him. I said, why? He said, because it is written in Isaiah 58. That's the first time I saw Isaiah 58, in the year 1985. That when you fast, you sacrifice, you give your food to somebody else. Now I am preaching on it. But I saw it as a young man, a young kid who was 12 or 13 years old, who knew his Isaiah. He's in Australia now. No, think about it. You, know. you think children don't understand, cannot understand? Of course you can understand. understand. If you read Isaiah, the God of Isaiah will speak to you. Amen. No, don't know, oh, this is too much for me. No, it is not. We, we limit God in our lives. Don't limit God in your lives. You have no clue if you find God very early in your life. how your destiny? You ask both of us, what is our regret that we didn't find God and the Word at your age? It's constantly our regret. If only we knew God the way you know, the way you have heard at our age, how different, how choices would have been different. It's our only regret. I'm saying that you have heard, you have known, you understand. 2019, let it be an incredibly different year for everybody. See, Lord, this is going to be my lifestyle. Whatever I'm doing, I will do with my best as unto the Lord. But I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to meditate upon your word. That will be my discipline. And I will be a giver, and I will ask you, Lord, give me something that I may give, because you are a giver, and I'm your child. Because in heaven, wealth is counted not by how much you have, but how much you have given away. In earth, your wealth is counted by how much you have acquired and not by what you have given away. So you have to ask yourself, how rich are you? How rich are you? How rich are you. And you have two billionaires. You have uh, Amazon's billionaire and you have Bill Gates. And if you go by heaven's I have a feeling that Bill Gates will get saved before he dies, that Bill Gates will be the richer guy. You know why? Because his entire life's plan is that by the time I die, after this many years, after our death, our entire wealth should be given away. That's his plan give away his entire wealth. That's why he is the largest sponsor of HIV, uh, AIDS research and helping all that people. That's his idea. All that food, how to elevate the sufferings of the people, poverty, food supply, all his money goes into that. Somebody who understood, this is the reason wealth is, because you're not going to take a penny with you. You need to give away, and God can. So, you have two. Even in the secular side, you have two billionaires. Everybody will talk about Amazon's founder, and you will talk about Bill Gates. Absolutely different mindset. How he thinks. I don't think he has a children. And he has a child. I think he has a child, and he's left a trust for that child. And the rest is all to give away. Almost his, his entire, yeah, yeah, as a daughter. He has left her funding in a trust, and he said all his wealth is not for his child. It is to be given away. What she needs, she has given. away. Because think about people. Think about, they have understand principles from the kingdom. Okay? So don't try to hold yourself. Give it away. I'm telling you, everyone who has learned to give his time to God has found there is enough time to do everything else. Everything else. Everyone who has stolen their time from God ultimately ends up with time unable to finish anything. God doesn't, he's not a miser. He says, give unto me and I shall give it to you. Press together, shaken. Suddenly you realize when you have given a habit of giving your time to God every day, you're able to finish your task, your assignments. When you are in job, you're able to finish your job on time. Everything is because there is a God who is maximizing your time maximizing your time. And you need to realize, why did they pick up Daniel to become the highest satrap? Every regime wanted him, because of the way he worked. Why did he work that way? Because you will see, always he gave his time to God first. First he put God and gave his time. And in the secular field he was the best. People saw this, they didn't see this. So the enemies of God tried and came to stop him from giving his time to God. And he said, no way. (laughs) You are looking at this. I am looking at that. I will open my windows and still continue praying. No, look at it that way. Change this 2019. Say, Lord, I want to change. I want to pray. I want to fast. I want to meditate upon your word. And you will fill my emptiness. Amen? Amen.